Oh, guess who's back? Back again. Probably Eminem and also myself. So tell a friend. That's right. Bringing it to you for a new week is me, Kim, your friendly neighborhood ER nurse. Did you miss me? Just don't answer that, actually. So what's been going on in my life since the last time I decided to sit behind a very hot mic and a new recording setup? Can you hear the crisp New England air? That's right, I'm on the Northeast. Anyways, what has been happening since I have decided to sit behind the hot mic and hit record like I'm in a 90s rom-com and attempting to make a personalized mixtape for the boy I have a crush on? Well, I went on vacation during Nurses Week in May and I moved to the Northeast for my current assignment. Can you hear the smile in my voice? Trust me, it's been a change for the better in terms of hiking opportunities. Now, one of the things that goes along with being a travel nurse is that I have to drive everywhere. So I, in a very staggered way, drove my way from Texas to New Hampshire for my current assignment. So in doing so, I spent a few days driving up the coast and I've had some observations of sorts that I just need to get off my chest and out into the world. One, use a turn signal. People don't believe in turn signals, I've noticed, or indications that they're changing lanes. It is not hard to flip a little switch by your steering wheel. I cannot read your mind when you're about to cut me off going 80 miles per hour on the freeway. And I'm too scared to be reactionary, except doing that thing with your hand that indicates, what the hell, check out this dumbass. That's the only thing I could do in that situation when people decide not to use turn signals. I just, I don't get it. This is a society, let's try and live in it. Number two, rest areas are actually quite nice and clean, maybe even more so than truck stops. Sorry, Paw Dad, but I slept, locking myself in my van at a rest stop. It's fine. I'm still here. I'm alive. Trust me, I use my wits. You trained me well. Number three, people who have bright and or LED headlights. Why? Why? Why do you do this? Why are you a jerk? Someone told me one time that the reason why those lights are so annoying is because people usually don't, I guess, set them in the right way. So it'll shine directly into your rearview mirrors and your side mirrors and blind you like you're seeing Beyonce or Queen Celine at a concert. Still not over the fact that Beyonce was at Coachella and Celine Dion has new music. What a time to be alive. My van though has one of those rearview mirrors that can dampen the shine by headlights, but my side mirrors are still fair game. I really wish that somebody could step on that gas pedal and get that thought moving to just make all of your mirrors able to dampen lights because I kept getting blinded by the light, blinded by science, and I immediately felt disoriented. And then there are some of you jabronis out there who have the nerve to flash your headlights. Listen, the lane next to me is open. You can just go there and go around. Why do you have to go and make me so damn nervous that I'm gonna be in a gang initiation of some sort? Fix your headlights and fix your attitude. Now, number four and the final one, I think, I don't know, I'm kind of going in hot. This is not in any way sponsored by anybody. None of this is ever SpawnCon. I have no sponsored content, but Waze is the best app I've ever 
been told to download in my life. However, the thing is, it likes to mute my music and tell me which way to turn. So it's a GPS app if you haven't used it. It's kind of like crowdsourcing too. So you'll have people update things in real time, which is really great. Whereas with Google Maps, sometimes it doesn't catch on to the fact that there's a slowdown ahead or there's construction going on. So Waze is more real time. But like I said, it will mute your music in order to tell you which way to turn if you have it linked through your Bluetooth. Now, normally I wouldn't mind this, but you don't interrupt me when it's Beyonce o'clock. What's Beyonce o'clock? Let me tell you. And let me just say that this is like the second unintentional Beyonce reference. A few years ago, I decided to quit being a nurse. I sold everything I owned and decided to backpack around Australia. It was a whole thing, like eat, pray, love, but really it was just eat, kind of pray, Tinder. While in the land of Oz, I learned about Beyonce o'clock from an Australian coworker. So whenever you need to be strengthened to get through the rest of your particularly trauma day, you play a Beyonce or Beyonce adjacent song. And Beyonce adjacent could include a Destiny's Child song or a Solange Knowles jam. Jay-Z, you're on thin ice. Now, this will get you through the rest of your day. When is Beyonce o'clock? It's whenever you need it. So it can happen whenever you want. Now at work, I usually require two Beyonce o'clocks. I do it once before going into work, and then I try and do once while on shift. Usually, someone lets me play Beyonce for them, especially if I'm having a stressful day. It's very soothing, so shout out to my work families all across the nation, and I can actually say that, who respect Beyonce O'Clock and whose lives I have changed as a result of introducing them to it. So institute this into your own life. Report back with your results, and I promise you, your life changes for the better. Back to Waze, the kick-ass GPS app that I fell in love with over thousands of miles across this great nation that I traveled. Aside from it muting Beyonce, a crime really, it really is a great navigation app. So like I said, it gives you real-time, faster updates than Google Maps does, so I highly encourage encourage you to check it out. You might be disappointed. You might be pleasantly surprised. You're an adult. You decide. Okay, so now that I have unburdened myself and I feel great, I feel cleansed, I feel like this is the best mind dump I've done in a while, it might be time to get back into the groove. As Delight always said, groove is in the heart. So let me go ahead and speak from the heart as I light my Cheryl Crow prayer candle, which smells like Santa Monica Boulevard. And I prepared myself by listening to Natasha Bedingfield's Pocket Full of Sunshine for an hour on a loop repeat. So I am now ready, if you're ready, to talk about how people are wild. If you were to go back in time and think about the person you were when you were 16, what would you say to them? So imagine you're you right here in the present day, and you could write your 16-year-old self a letter. What would you tell your younger self? Would you go full on and pull a biff from Back to the Future Part 2 and tell your younger self how to make bank via sports betting and the like? Or maybe you would tell your younger self to not date that one guy or that other guy or definitely not that other guy. What would you do, especially if your son was at home crying all over the bedroom floor because he's hungry. And the only way to feed him is to, wait, 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 no, 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 cannot get into that city high flow. Sorry, it happens sometimes. Now back on track. Maybe you would tell the 16-year-old version of yourself to hug their loved ones more, let go of grudges, don't sweat the small stuff. What would you say to the 16-year-old you? Dear 16-year-old me. Dear 16-year-old me. Dear 16-year-old me. Please don't get that perm. It's not as awesome as you think it's going to be. 
you have to actually practice in order to learn to play guitar. Whiskey tastes even worse on the way up. Dear 16-year-old me, there's going to be a new set of Star Wars movies. Don't watch them. They ruin everything. Dear 16-year-old me, this is where they took the cancer out. It was something called melanoma. It's called malignant melanoma. Malignant melanoma. Malignant. That's not a very friendly word. You'll be diagnosed when you're 28. 18. 36. 29. 22. It's a tumor that starts in your skin cells, the cells that give your hair and skin color. It's not just skin cancer. Well, it is. Well, it is. But not just the cut it out and it'll be fine kind, unfortunately. It's the kind that you have to catch before it spreads. Because it spreads so fast. So fast. To places like your liver, your lungs, your brain. Yours will be a really rare kind in your left eye. And that's when you'll find out. That melanoma can show up on your tongue, the palms of your hands, and the soles of your feet. Your doctors will tell you you're lucky that you caught it early. Yours will tell you that you need aggressive treatment. I'll have to tell you it might take a year of chemotherapy. And you'll need to do some of the injections yourself. Dear 16-year-old me. You're doing okay. You're strong. But there are some things I want you to know. I wish I'd known. That one bad sunburn before you turn 18 doubles your chances of developing melanoma. That fair skin and red hair means that you're at a higher risk of getting it. As if ginger people didn't have enough problems. That you're at higher risk if you've got more than 50 moles. And if you have a weakened immune system or a family history of skin cancer. I want you to know the outlook is very good if we can catch it early. But you have less than a 10% chance of surviving more than five years if we don't. Dear 16-year-old me, Spend more time with family, they mean everything. If I had one piece of advice for you, don't start the tanning bed. I know you want a healthy glow, but it's going to double my chances of getting melanoma. Sunscreen. Yes, I agree. It's a huge pain in the ass, but so worth it. Please. Your skin's like an elephant. It never forgets. Dear 16-year-old me, helping spread this message is how you'll honor Glenna's memory. At 16, she's already an incredible lifeguard. She loves the sun and the beach and tanning, but she just doesn't know. She'll be diagnosed when she's 22 and will lose her battle when she's just 26. I want you to know, because it's melanoma that's going to take the strongest man you know, your best friend, and the love of your life. Dear 16-year-old me, Don't be afraid. This isn't about being afraid. I want you to be aware that melanoma is a young person's disease. It is the second most common cancer in children and teenagers, and one of the most common in young adults. And it can be deadly. I want you to know you're not helpless. This is a cancer that shows itself right there on the outside of you. Start checking your skin. Please check. Get to know your skin. Get to know your skin. Start checking your skin. If a new mole shows up, or if when you have, starts to change color, or size, or shape, or feels different. If something seems out of place, get your doctor to have a look as soon as possible. Know what to look for and get help. These are all signs your skin could be developing cancer. You brush your teeth every day, maybe even floss. Okay, we both know you don't floss. But just once a month, I want you to check. It takes 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Dear 16-year-old me, I do realize you're not actually going to see this, 
but someone else will, and it'll make a difference to them. Dear someone else. Dear somebody else. If you're watching this, send it to a 16-year-old you care about. Send it to anyone who was once 16. Or soon will be 16. Send this. And check yourself. Educate yourself. You can download tools and information about melanoma here. Share this link. Tweet this link. Post this to your Facebook. So that is audio from this fantastic video that I will actually link to in the show notes. And it's courtesy of the DCMF, which is the David Cornfield Melanoma Fund, which is, if you couldn't guess, based out of Canada. How about that? And I wanted to use it today as a lead in for talking about today's episode, we're going to kind of zone in today about skin cancer. So May happens to be Skin Cancer Awareness Month. So while we don't really see things in the ER pertaining to skin cancer directly, this is a bit of a personal topic for me. So when I was about 16, I had my first skin cancer scare. So if I could write a letter to my 16-year-old self, it would definitely probably include something about staying strong and using sunscreen. My whole upbringing was in the desert part of the desert Southwest, specifically the Grand Canyon state that is Arizona. Like many people, I already had moles and beauty marks on my skin that I honestly never really paid attention to. I was actually more thrown off at the fact that I had freckles. People notice that about me sometimes when you get to actually look at my face a lot. I don't know why people just stare at my face, but a lot of times they're trying to pinpoint what my nationality, my background, ethnicity, whatever you want to call it, they're trying to figure out what's my face. So having freckles really throws people off and imagine my surprise when I actually had freckles. Biracial butterflies can have freckles? Yeah. It was a mind-blowing moment for me. I loved being outside when I was a kid. I still do to this day. When I was younger, I didn't really realize that sunscreen was something that I needed and that I had to actually subscribe to. See, when I was a kid, I did everything in my power to get out of having to stay still for even a few minutes that would cut into my playtime outside in order to get this gross, smelly, cold cream applied to me before I can go out and play. Now, back in my day, spray sunscreen really wasn't a thing. And by the way, spray sunscreen doesn't do jack if you don't actually rub it into your skin. It's not perfume. You can't just spray and walk away with it. Although sometimes in a pinch, I have used sunscreen as a perfume. My life is flawed at times. I don't care if you judge me. I know who I am. Okay? Anyways, by the time I reached my teen years, I would do a lot of outdoor sports and activities. Running, hiking, camping, basketball, rowing, backpacking, paddleboarding. It's stuff I love to do. And I would do it all, and oftentimes I would never reapply sunscreen and half-ass even applying it in the first place. I had never had a sunburn like my friends had. I would always tan when I was exposed to the sun. And it wasn't until my parents noticed something in a photo one night that my whole sun safety disregard shifted. It had to. They noticed that my school picture seemed a bit different. 
I had always had this one mole on my nose that for years had been fine. It never changed. In fact, my mom, when I was younger, used to always say to me that when God was done making me, he put the period at the end to say he was done. They looked at this picture, and I think it was one of my school photos from, must have been sophomore year at that point because I was about 16. And when they looked at it, they noticed that the mole that had been fine for years seemed a little bit different. And that kind of got them concerned. So they immediately made an appointment with my dermatologist to get things evaluated. After going through some options with my very, very experienced and seasoned dermatologist, it was decided that the best thing that I could do was to get it removed. So I just want to let you guys know at this point that getting numbing medicine injected into the tip of your nose is surprisingly not fun. Spoiler alert. Having to have that happened twice because you needed two appointments to get the job done. Also not fun. Would not recommend on Yelp. Probably about a three out of 10 experience, but actually not the worst pain I've ever had. But it was up there. When I was 16, that was probably one of the worst things I'd ever experienced. And honestly, when everything was said and done, I lucked out. I still kind of have a little bit of the remnants and I have to keep an eye on a lot of my moles, but I lucked out. And from that moment on, I became annoying about sun safety and annoying about making other people around me sun safe. I'm still annoying about it to this day and other things, but here are the facts when it comes to skin cancer. Skin cancer is the most common form of cancer in the United States today, present day 2018. In fact, more people are diagnosed with skin cancer each year in the U.S. than all other cancers combined. One in five Americans will develop skin cancer by the age of 70. And in the interest of not alienating non-United States listeners, approximately two in three Australians will be diagnosed with skin cancer by the time they are 70, with more than 750,000 people treated for one or more non-melanoma skin cancers in Australia each year. Now for some background, there are three main types of skin cancer, basal cell carcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma, and melanoma, the most dangerous form of skin cancer. Now both basal cell carcinoma and squamous cell carcinomas are known as non-melanoma skin cancer. And sometimes they're not necessarily reported and I guess you could say statistically put into the cancer statistics. So the true rates that are reported for skin cancer are probably greater than what we have on record. If you're thinking also about non-melanoma skin cancer, you can kind of liken it to how it's classified with lymphomas. You have Hodgkin's lymphomas and then you have non-Hodgkin lymphomas in regards to blood cancer. So that's kind of how you can think of non-melanoma skin cancer and melanoma skin cancer. So still skin cancer, but it can have different classification within it. So circling back, actually, let's go back to the land down under. Hold on to your butter and Vegemite sandwiches, ladies and gentlemen, because did you know every year in Australia, skin cancers account for around 80% of newly diagnosed cancers. Also, the majority of skin cancers are caused by exposure to the sun. And primary care docs have over 1 million patient consultations per year for skin cancer. And maybe finally, the kicker, the incidence of skin cancer is one of the highest in the world, two to three times the rates in Canada, the US, and the UK, the entire 
UK. But here's the thing, Australia has its shit together when it comes to sun safety. Now for a brief period of my life, going back, I lived and I did work and backpack in Australia, and I was able to actually see their sun safety in practice. From an early age, children wear wide-brimmed hats and have sunscreen on anytime they go outside, during school, or even after school for after-school activities. If they don't have their hats on, they can't go outside. No hat, no play is one of those things that you might see on a BuzzFeed list for you might be Australian if no hat, no play haunts your dreams. But the thing about it is that it instills this sense of sun safety from an early age, and it involves families. Families make sunscreen application and reapplication a routine whenever they're outside doing anything, sometimes prompted by their own children from what they learn in school. If you forgot some or you need sunscreen touch-ups in Australia while you're down there, you always had multiple someones who would gladly let you borrow their sunscreen. And since it does get hot in Australia, lots of their outdoor parks have either natural shading built in and around the parks or a man-made shade or covering over these playground and common areas. Now, in the couple of decades since its introduction in the 1980s, the whole sun safety initiative in Australia has been shown to cause a steady decrease in the incidence of skin cancer in Australians. Now, if only America could get behind that sort of forward thinking. Ugh, I have to apologize. I am going to step on a soapbox briefly and we're going to digress because you know I love to do that. And you know what? Screw it. I'm going to just full on digress. I grew up in Arizona, the devil's armpit when it comes to heat and sunshiny days. Shockingly, we didn't have covered playgrounds and I think I legit have scars from maybe second degree burns from playing on the jungle gym and monkey bars in the hot August sun in Arizona. Temps topping out at at least one teens. It's not a fun look. Now, we weren't told to put on sunscreen at school. The only kids who would do that were, well, the weirdos who had some skin disorder or conditions. But then they would get their sunscreen applied and come play with us outside and everything was totally cool. Now, it wasn't until recently that schools in Arizona specifically started putting coverings over their playgrounds. What a novel idea. And a very small percent have instituted their own no hat, no play policy. We are doing a disservice to kids, not just in Arizona, but all across the nation. You heard in the video. One severe sunburn in childhood has been directly correlated to increasing a person's risk of developing melanoma. You know, the skin cancer that gets really aggressive and kills people. So we have the power to reduce that by instilling sunwise and sunsmart habits in our kids that are reinforced in elementary school. I don't know why we're not doing that in America. We need to wake up and apply some sunscreen, I think. Now, skin cancer is essentially the only cancer that you can see actively growing on you if you think about it. But maybe you don't know what exactly you're looking for. Well, there are luckily some things to look out for that are somewhat easy to remember. All you have to know is A, B, C, D, E. Fair enough, right? In going back to that audio that was mentioned earlier from that video, they talk about doing a monthly skin exam, which sounds like a fun couples activity if you ask me. Sort of like a, hey, babe, 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 babe. Yeah, okay, my phone reminder just went off and it's time for our monthly skin exam. So pencil me in because it's time for us to see some skin. And they say modern day romance is dead. Now, 
If you were a single dermatologist, though, that'd be the best thing to put on your dating profile. It'd say something like, hi, I'm Jill. I'm exceptional at doing a thorough full body skin exam. I'm interested in all kinds of abnormal growths. If you show me yours, I may or may not show you mine. But that actually reminds me of a story I heard about someone noticing an abnormal mole on their spouse while the two were having sex, which I mean, it would be kind of hard to see your own back, so another pair of eyes is always appreciated, but that might have killed the mood a bit with that whole skin cancer scare sort of situation, unless maybe the two of them were dermatologists. You go get it, Jill. Actually, let me draw it back in, rein it back, come on back. Let's get back into the whole Jackson 5 inspired A, B, C, D, E, E, E of mold checks. So A stands for asymmetry, which is when one half is unlike the other half. So you gotta think about it this way. Say that you have something like I did, somewhat of a birthmark or a mole that's always been there. So if one part of that mole or birthmark that had been symmetrical and matching your whole entire life suddenly looks like it's a little bit off, it's time to call a dermatologist. In fact, for all these steps, if you answer yes to any part of it, it's time to call a dermatologist or at least your primary care doctor. This isn't necessarily something that you can go to an urgent care for. And unfortunately in the emergency room, all we can tell you, unless there's something else going on that's medically emergent, is that you need to follow up with your doctor or your dermatologist, or maybe both. So A again stands for asymmetry. The B stands for border. And border means if the edges of a mole or a birthmark are suddenly irregular, ragged, notched, or blurred. That reminds me of like Blur 2. Remember that song? Woohoo! Sorry, my mind is just like totally engrossed in skin cancer and it needs to have an outlet somehow. Anyways, so any irregular or poorly defined border that either suddenly appears or starts to kind of become present around a mole or birthmark is cause for concern. So the C bit of this stands for color. This means that if the color is not the same all over a mole or a birthmark, it's time to call a dermatologist. So if suddenly you see shades of brown or black, and sometimes some people have shades of tan or even the American flag, red, white, and blue, they need to consult a medical doctor or a dermatologist of some sort, or both, dermatologists or doctors. Make sure that you go to a dermatologist that has an MD of some sort or some sort of medical school training behind there. If you listen to my previous episode where my dad and I talked about my mom, the key word he was talking about was the quack doctor that she went to. That was a hematologist who fled the country. So make sure you don't have that happen with any doctor you're trusting to help you figuring out if you have, you know, cancer. Anyways, moving on to D, that stands for diameter and melanomas are usually greater than six millimeters when diagnosed, but they can be smaller. So don't necessarily rely on that. Uh, There are some actual guides that you can look up online in order to measure the spots on your skin, your moles, your birthmarks, and seeing if maybe that they got bigger or if, again, those borders are starting to kind of develop around something that used to 
be more round and symmetrical. So a spot that is larger than that six millimeters or one fourth of an inch across in terms of diameter, which is about the size of a pencil eraser, is cause for concern. And finally, we get to E, which is evolving. And instead of like a Pokemon evolution, which I will catch them all, this means that when a mole or a lesion or a birthmark that looks different from the rest, like in a row, like a freckle or something, or is changing in size, shape, or color, if that starts to become present, you need to talk to a doctor. And if you remember from that audio, it talked about how, you know, dear 16-year-old me, this isn't a time to necessarily be afraid. It's more to have awareness. And that's what I hope is happening with this episode is that you don't need to be afraid, but you do need to be aware of these new spots and dots and lesions and everything on your body. Now, if you do have a partner, you can make this into something kind of like a tick check where you check each other's skin in terms of the areas that you can't necessarily see in a mirror. And if you're alone at home, there are some really great guides that I will probably be putting in the show notes in terms of how you can do your own skin checks and your own mole checks every month. Set your reminders in order to make sure that things look all right. I can't stress this enough. Skin cancer is a cancer you can see growing. Going back to my previous episode, my mom had a cancer that we did not see until it was further down the road. And that's usually the nature of a lot of cancers. But this is one of the most common cancers across the world. And it's a young person's disease. And we always tell people that young people are resilient. For the most part, they're healthy and they're strong. And when it comes to getting these diagnoses of cancer, they have a higher success rate and their prognosis can be better with earlier treatment interventions. But the only way you can do that, especially with skin cancer, is to know your skin and to know your loved one's skin. My parents essentially saved my life. They were the ones who noticed that things looked different with one of my moles. And that changed our whole entire family course of our own skin checks. Nobody ever wanted to have a skin cancer scare again. Now, there are some famous people who have had skin cancer scares. John McCain actually jumps to mind because he is our state representative when I was in Arizona. And I remember always seeing sometimes he would be going in and out with having some skin cancer removals. That whole aspect about it, once you have one incidence of skin cancer and it's cut out, are you going to have it come back? That can be something that a person can essentially control by using sun smart, sun wise, sun safety using their sunscreen, finding shaded areas. And actually, why don't we just kind of go into what you can do in terms of somewhat preventing and reducing any sort of chances of developing skin cancer. So as much as we harp on about sunscreen being the big thing, sunscreen alone is not enough. You need to have a whole sun protection routine and regimen that you institute for yourself and for your families. So seek the shade, especially during the summer, especially during those sunny days, and especially during the hours between 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Studies have shown that that's when For most people, that's when the sun's rays can be the strongest. So you want to try and reduce the sun's rays by seeking shade. Also, look out for your friends. We love to have tanning and going out and laying out by the pool, especially during the summer here in the States. It's something that I excel at a lot growing up in Arizona. But the thing is, either set a timer or have something on there because it's okay to be relaxed. Definitely take time for you, but... 
if you have a massive burn that you wake up with, that's going to cause you more stress. So in the effort and interest to not be like Kramer from Seinfeld or to be like uh, that episode of Rules of Engagement where he fell asleep and half of him was burned because he fell asleep away from the sun on the other half, make sure that you set some sort of timer or you have something that will remind you and wake you up to either reapply sunscreen or to just all out seek shade probably both. Even if you're in the shade, you still have UV exposure when you're outside. It's like the whole thing about on a cloudy day, you can still get sunburn. UV rays are always going to be going through, even through clouds. So you need to just make sure that you're reapplying sunscreen. You also want to avoid UV tanning booths and tanning in general or at least severely limit it. I know everybody wants to have that nice, beautiful glow, and bronzer gets everywhere, I think. I don't know. I guess I've just always been fortunate enough to not have to use that, but I have watched a lot of bodybuilding documentaries for reasons I will keep to myself, and bronzer seems like a big deal. It also seems like it gets everywhere. It's like the herpes of, no, wait, I should not say that. Maybe I shouldn't say that because next week we're going to be talking about herpes. But bronzer, yeah, let's just say it. Bronzer is like the herpes of body paint or body detailing, I guess is what I should say. It gets everywhere. You aren't happy when you see it and it becomes a whole big mess that can sometimes spread between people. So avoid tanning and tanning booths. Plus, I think they found some studies have shown that they don't necessarily clean them the best ways. So you might be doing more than just increasing your odds of getting skin cancer if you catch my drift. You also wanna cover up with regards to your clothing. So if you're outside hiking and biking and doing all this other stuff, you'll want to include those wide-brimmed hats and UV-blocking sunglasses. Believe it or not, you can get some blindness that can be caused in terms of sometimes UV light entering in through your eyes. Um, Some people have had sunburns to their eyelids and into anywhere that can be exposed to the sun. So if you hit things in the wrong way and the UV rays come and they overexpose you, guess what? You have a sunburn in a really, really uncomfortable place. Ask anybody who's been sunburned on their scalp just how much the sun can just screw you over no matter what you do, right? Also with that, that's why you wear the wide-brimmed hats. You can make them even the floppy-brimmed hats. You can make them all fashionable, but at the same time, you are practicing sun safety. So good for you. Take that home to the bank. Now, using a broad-spectrum sunscreen, which includes UVA and UVB skin protection, needs to be with an SPF of 15 or higher every day. So some people moisturize with cocoa butter. Some people rub themselves with sesame oil. I heard you it helps with your skin. But really what I should be doing and what we should all be doing is making sure that we have an SPF of 15 or higher every day applied to us somehow. Now I think that there are some more lotions and even maybe even some foundations that have some SPF protection in them, which is great. But you need to remember that it has to be broad spectrum and it needs to be greater than 15 on the SPF. So for extended outdoor activities like me and my outdoorsy self, that's right, I'm the female Bear Grylls, but I do not drink my urine, at least not tonight. You need to use a water resistant 
broad spectrum sunscreen of actually an SPF of 30 or higher. So you have to account for the fact that you're going to be exposed for a longer duration than most people are every day living in like New York City. Apply one ounce, which is about two tablespoons of sunscreen to your entire body 30 minutes before going outside and reapply every two hours or immediately after swimming or excessive sweating. That kind of goes along with what I was saying before, some lotions and I know some skincare companies are working on trying to figure out a way to put SPF into their products without, I guess, damaging some of their application of their products. So it is possible to have sunscreen on you, at least on your face and having protection, but you do need to account for the rest of your body. And it's kind of hard to remember to reapply after you've gone swimming or if you've just been doing a lot of stuff with excessive sweating. And that was usually my downfall is that I would do things on the water. I would get splashed by something and then I wouldn't even think about reapplying. And I used to always bring sunscreen out with me and I would just give it to other people to, if they needed to use it because I'm that kind of friend, but then I would never use it because I'm that kind of idiot. So don't be like me. Dear God, I hope that you don't want to be like me at any point during any of these episodes, but especially with sun safety. Well, past me at least. Also make sure that you keep newborns out of the sun. Uh, Sunscreen really should only be used on babies over the age of six months. And this is coming from the Skin Cancer Foundation's recommendations for prevention. So if you kind of have an issue with that or you've heard of different things, I'd be more than happy to engage in a very friendly conversation that's respectful. No, I actually mean that. But if you start talking to me about vaccinations, we're going to have words and I will win. So don't even go there. You know, like the words of every single 90s movie, don't go there. I even did like a whole like hand gesture off to the side. I wish you could see it. It It's very impressive and very powerful. Now examine your skin head to toe every month. Now that you know what to look out for and like I said I'll put a show notes um, how to actually do the exam. You need to be able to get into this routine of doing that every month. Your skin is amazing. I mean, it holds everything together. So show it some love, my goodness. Make sure that you don't neglect your skin. It's gotta be kicking around with you for as long as your body is. So the best thing you can do for it is to protect it, especially from the sun. And this should go without saying, but I'm saying it anyways, see your physician every year for a professional skin exam. Now, if you have issues with your skin, ask your doctor about a dermatologist, do some research, around and maybe it'd be best if you have established yourself with a dermatologist. When I was in high school, I had a dermatologist because of my whole host of skin issues and the fun fact that is acne, which side note, I wish somebody would have told me that as an adult, you still get acne. So it's very fun when people think I'm younger than I am because I'm like, well, my acne seems to think that I'm also younger than I am. And I wish that was one of the things that would just phase out and grow the hell up. But it's okay. I just get stress pimples and I'm stressed out a lot about other stuff. That is actually surprisingly not my job. What you need to do maybe would be best for some people is that you get into a dermatologist and that you establish this relationship just like you would with any sort of specialty doctor, just like you would an OBGYN, just like you would a lung doctor, a kidney doctor, whatever it may be, you want to get in with somebody that you can make a connection with 
and that will get to know you as much as you want to know how they can help you with your health regarding their specialty. So dermatologists, I think is one of the coolest specialties, honestly. I legit wanted to be a dermatologist for so long. I still follow Dr. Pimple Popper. Those extraction and excision videos are like my jam. I love them. I love, love, love that sort of stuff. And we see sort of those abscesses, those nice juicy ones in the ER every so often. And you put suction on them and you just get out all that gunk. Oh my gosh, it's so great. But dermatologists really do know their stuff. It's like that episode of Seinfeld where Jerry's dating the dermatologist and he doesn't think that she does anything with saving lives. And I think like the kicker at the end of the episode is that a patient comes up and is like, thanks to you, you spotted my skin cancer and we got it removed and you saved my life, doctor. And Jerry feels like an a-hole because he is in that case. But even though it's for comic relief, it's kind of true. Dermatologists do save lives like every single day. They remove precancerous moles. They help people with skin cancer and they help people in terms of just feeling better about themselves. That's the hard thing, I guess, about the skin is that everybody can see it. So dermatologists, I think, have such a cool job and they can do something so incredibly life-changing and life-saving on a daily basis if they so choose in terms of their specialty. So that is a bit of an overview of what skin cancer is. Here are just some more facts about skin cancer and a little bit about why it is so important that may bring skin cancer awareness to the forefront. So it's no secret that overexposure to UV rays, either through natural sunshine or manufactured, does produce negative effects. In fact, about 90% of skin cancer incidents are the direct result of UV radiation. The role of tanning beds remains the key. And introduced in the U.S. in the 1970s, they continued to grow in popularity even to present day, but especially among young people, especially among teens, despite the well-publicized risks. And an April 2010 study showed for the first time that indoor tanners specifically may form dependencies in the same way that drugs and alcohol do. So do you guys remember that woman that they dubbed the tanning mom? Well, even if you do, or you don't, I'm going to take it back to a simpler time, a younger year when we were all so full of hope and full of life. I'm sure it's 2012 going really back in time. Sai was telling us about Gundam style and let's see what else was going on in 2012. Well, Call Me Maybe was playing everywhere and all of the sports teams you could think of were doing like Call Me Maybe challenges to each other. That song still does get in my head occasionally. Maybe if I just met you and things are crazy, I will give you my number. So call me, maybe. Now it's in your head. No, we're going to focus on this topic of Tan Mom. So Tan Mom was a woman by the name of Patricia Crenshaw, I believe is how you pronounce that last name. And she was essentially thrust into this limelight in this beautiful year that was 2012. And it was because her daughter's school nurse in New Jersey at the school that her daughter went to called Child Protective Services on Patricia. And the reason was because she believed that Patricia had been taking her daughter to a tanning salon as the girl appeared 
really sunburnt one time when she showed up to school. Now, Patricia was interviewed for this, and that interview became this viral video sensation, and that was because Patricia looked like a stick of beef jerky. I mean, that's really the only way I could describe her, right? She was this tanning aficionado, and she was basically judged in the court of the public as being guilty before any of the details were out. Now, the thing was, in New Jersey, it's illegal to actually enter a tanning booth if you are under the age of 14. Her daughter was six years old. I would think that in that realm, the school nurse was making sure that if there is any signs of abuse that it gets reported. That's something that you're actually taught with nursing is that if you see something, you say something. We're basically the TSA. If you have a suspicion of anything, it's always better to follow up on your suspicions and let that be investigated and dealt with with the appropriate resources than to say, oh, but maybe it's not and maybe there is something, and then something awful and tragic can occur. So they teach you that when you're in nursing, and when you're in different sort of fields, if you're a teacher, if you do therapy, especially school counseling, guidance counseling, there are certain things that you are taught to look out for. So that nurse was doing what she thought was right for this student, for this child. Patricia, in the long run, was found not guilty, but her interview and all these accompanying sound bits and videos of her and her very, very tan beef jerky-like appearance started to trickle through the internet and just gain full steam. So even though Patricia was found not guilty, suddenly she was thrust into this limelight, into this spotlight, and the damage was already done. Lots of media outlets just sunk their teeth into her, and they noticed that this woman looked like like a perfect storm to be made fun of, to be made a meme, to be destroyed essentially in the internet, either through good ways or bad ways. In her case, it unfortunately was a lot of bad press that accompanied her. Patricia initially didn't really find an issue with it. I mean, here she is, this this mom. She has a family of a few kids. Uh, she's living in New Jersey. And all of a sudden, there's more people knocking on her door. And there's these opportunities to make money. And there's a little bit of fame thrown her way. Everybody gets their 15 minutes. Although I think in today's Snapchat world, it's about 15 seconds of fame. She gave interviews and she kind of was like, okay, I will go and ride this train. She said in these interviews that she had been tanning her whole life, that she loves the sun, and that she admitted she overdid it. I mean, when you look like a stick of beef jerky with just like chiclets for teeth, probably slipped up a little bit somewhere. She kind of became this notorious person that started doing more and more interesting things with her fame. She was made fun of on SNL. She was talked about in the media. I think Anderson Cooper put her on his ridiculous is it a ridiculous? Do you remember that? Does he still do that? I haven't seen Anderson in a while. And she was really mocked relentlessly. Nowadays, though, actually in doing the research for this episode, I was like thinking about Tan Mom right near the end. And I looked it up and she looks pretty good. She definitely does not tan as heavily as she once did. She looks a little bit more normal, but remember she does live in New Jersey. So there is a standard to your tanning. GTL, baby. GTL. That is in full effect. So she does have a shade to her, but she does not have 50 shades of tan ink. So she actually 
substituted one vice maybe with another. She cut down on her tanning. I believe in the one article I found, it said that she only goes three times a week instead of like four times a day. So yay, I guess. And she has been using a lot of Botox. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, your skin is the first thing that most people see about you is your face, it's your features. So I can understand why people take care of their skin, why people like Brandy Glanville apparently have a 25 hour skin routine because this is for some people that is what they make their living off of is looking a certain way or being expected to appear in a certain manner and obviously having healthy skin is one of the first things that accompanies these types of people these types of celebrities if you will so i get it to an extent why people use botox why they do tanning why they hit that up so heavily but it can become an addiction and that's actually what some of the statistics are showing is that there is a chemistry level there's a biological level in the brain that has been shown to sort of trigger some of these same areas that drug use alcohol and other things that are addictive they're triggered with people who overdo it and they're tanning so you can kind of access that addictive part of the mind and it actually changed some of the brain chemistry so it's really interesting the science of addiction is something that is well something that dr drew is well versed in but with the science of addiction it doesn't just go with drugs and alcohol it's we're seeing it in a lot of different places internet addictions you're seeing it with phone addictions smartphone things technology addictions of some places i wouldn't say like an instagram addiction but there is some of that social media avenues that we're seeing people kind of exhibit these same centers in their brains that people who are drug addicts have. So back to Patricia, back to our tan mom. She ended up being so scrutinized by the public, by the media, that it ended up becoming this, unfortunately, becoming this thing where she was judged very heavily in the media. Um, When she was cleared of everything, saying that, you know, people misunderstood the situation, she told them what happened. She brought her daughter with her to the tanning salon, but only Patricia was the one who got the tans. So she said that the burns that her daughter had sustained was due to her actually playing in the sun on the day in question. She was completely cleared of all the charges against her. What was noticed was that there is a tanning dependence and this is an actual thing that I believe is in some literature now and it's termed as a syndrome where an individual appears to have a physical or psychological dependence on sunbathing or the use of UV tanning beds and compulsive tanning might end up satisfying a person like a drug addict uses their drug of choice. So it ends up making you look like a piece of beef jerky, unfortunately. And actually, if you go back and you look at Tan Mom when she was in her 20s, she's a really pretty girl next door type. She's got the blonde hair. She is natural blonde too. She has green eyes. She has flawless skin, which I'm very jealous of. And it's sort of sad that she has this different appearance now. It kind of reminds me of high from Spidey makes Spidey great again. When she had her 10 surgeries and everything, (laughs) that's a whole different thing about maybe some ethics involved in having somebody have 10 surgeries in one day, no matter what amount of money they're giving you. But 
it's things like that that really kind of there's a sadness to it because you look at pictures of people before they did these drastic things to their looks and you kind of go it's a cosmetic procedure it's not necessarily like a reconstructive sort of thing it's kind of sad because you're literally looking at two different people it almost feels like and in some cases you are people have completely different faces or there's something that happened and now they have been botched and it's tragic on on all accounts so with patricia she ended up actually in in more of her background she's a well-educated woman she went to the university of florida and had a Uh, graduated with a degree in business. She worked for a time in Chicago. She got married. She had some kids. And she was this mom who was suddenly thrust into the spotlight because of her appearance. Now, in her case, she did end up having to go to family therapy. There were some other therapy things going on as well. There is some infamous pictures of her laying on a red carpet at like a Howard Stern event where she just seemed completely out of it, drunk, high, whatever it was, and she ended up going to rehab. So if you look up the video clips, there's a lot of them with Dr. Drew talking to her, but they always refer to her as Tan Mom, and I kind of think that that's sort of, I mean, that's what you associate with her, but her name's Patricia. So I'm trying to use Patricia for the sake of just respecting her as a person. In the same vein, though, she did release a rap song in 2013, so called It's Tan Mom. So maybe, maybe, you know, you poke fun at yourself. Maybe I should just call her Tan Mom if that's what she, her brand is, right? And she also decided to use her fame to be in an adult video. There's that. So whatever. You're making money. You're providing for your family. The public can judge you however they want. She went to rehab. She's in a much better place now. And actually, I found an article, I think, from like late last year where she has become somewhat of an advocate for her kids her youngest had come home with a major sunburn and she called the school and she actually i think is working with the school and the pta to have a sunwise sun safety program while also becoming a partner at a tanning salon so patricia tan mom god bless you you are complicated but i like your style i think to a certain extent and on that note We're going to wrap up the skin cancer portion of today's show and slide into the best game in the world. Sometimes I play it every week. Sometimes I forget about it. It always depends on what I'm feeling, but this cold medicine is making me actually see the light or maybe just hallucinate. It's all good. We are going to go into what is the greatest game on this side of the podcasting world. It is You Got What Stuck Where. Now, the rules are simple. At least I think they are. I give you four-ish clues and you tweet to me at People Are Wild with your guess. If you are the most correct person to guess first, I send you stickers and my regards, I guess. No, I will send you stickers and also you get bragging rights and maybe even probably just some more stickers. That's really all I got. I'm not that fancy. I'm sorry. So let's get on with today's You Got What Stuck Where. So clue one is that this happened in Pakistan. And this happened to 37 Pakistani prisoners. So maybe that's actually more clue two. So we have this happened in Pakistan to 37 Pakistani prisoners. The item in question for clue three is something that you wouldn't quite suspect being stuck in where 
got stuck, which leads you into clue four. And then I'm gonna come back and actually give you a proper clue one. I told you it's bing bonging around in today's episode. It's 2018 and I can do what I want. Okay, clue four is that this item in question was stuck in a rectum. Clue one slash three slash whatever is this. If you ever played snake, you'll understand that sometimes the device that you play snake with might end up in somewhere unsavory like it did for 37 Pakistani prisoners and seven of which who had to get surgery to get that item removed. Talk about an impressive reception. So those are your four clues. It's a little out of sorts and I do apologize because I did take some cold medicine and I also drank a monster energy drink at the same time. So I don't even know what's going on internally in my system. Those are the clues tweet to me at people are wild. I have an email address as well. It's people are wild at gmail.com. Send me suggestions, send me whatever you want. Thank you for letting me take a break last week. I did recently move, still getting kind of settled, still feeling out everything. Um, so I did have to take a week off and thank you for being understanding with that. Or even if you noticed, I did take a week off. So on that note, there's a great quote that I definitely think we should think about going into this week ahead as it is the last week of May. I recently was able to go on a retreat and it really kind of restructured a lot of the ways that I was thinking and just doing more to create a positive internal vibe within myself and to exude that hopefully into what I do professionally and in my personal life as well. So I'm going to try and give you some positive quotes. If you follow me on Twitter, you might recognize the one that I'm going to use to close out today's episode, but it's one of my favorites. So I want to start off with that in terms of just closing things out. And that is this. It's a great quote from Bo Taplin. And he says this, listen to me. Your body is not a temple. Temples can be destroyed and desecrated. Your body is a forest. Thick canopies of maple trees and sweet-scented wildflowers sprouting in the underwood. You will grow back over and over, no matter how badly you are devastated. So just keep that in mind going into today, going into this week, and make sure to believe in the good, do something good for yourself, try and do random acts of kindness, and just remember to do your monthly mole check. Hey, 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 it's Carrie, and I host the Sip and Shine podcast. Despite my 13-year-old sounding voice and slight lisp, I invite you to come listen on your favorite podcast catcher, or if you're a little lazy, come check out sipandshinepodcast.com as I chronicle stories of histories, mysteries, scandals, true crime to cults, ghosts, even a little locked up abroad stories. We probably got your jam and we aren't judging over here. So of course, because this is an unscholarly podcast, we add in copious amounts of wine, inappropriate humor, candy, and reality TV references. So come pour a glass of wine and sip with me on this hot mess express.